Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends and sometimes a guest commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. I'm Allison Green. And I'm Courtney Marrera. And today we're anxious about helping others. Okay, so let's uh, get things kicked off first just by acknowledging our guest because it would be awfully strange <laughs> to, to have a guest introduce the podcast and then go on <laughs> as if it was a totally normal episode. So we are um, incredibly uh, lucky and fortunate to have a guest here today who knows her stuff and will be a great addition to the podcast. So I will um, pass it over to you for a second so you can let all our listeners know who you are. No pressure. Yeah, I was going to say that was a little bit of pressure. I won't lie. Uh, but so my name's Courtney, um, as you know from the intro, and I am a therapist. Um, I have my degree in social work, technically, um, but my job is clinical therapy. And so, yeah, basically, I talk to people for a living. Good. I mean, it seems like you're well suited for a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for for being on here today. Um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, Allison and I pretty much spent the first I don't know like five episodes being like, I promise, like we're we're, we're doing our best. We don't totally know our stuff. We're not therapists, um, and now we've become a little bit more comfortable in coming around to to. Uh, feeling like we might have something to offer yeah. people uh, in, in advice. Um, so yeah, I guess the natural place to start, uh, at least to me, and Allison, you can chime in too, kind of wherever if I just refuse to stop talking. But uh, the place that at least I thought was worth starting in is mentioning that I think at first – if you're somebody with anxiety, you can be very cognizant of your own flaws and you make the potentially false assumption that because you're not perfect, you can't help others be perfect in this strange way. But the more that I think about it, the more I think that it, it actually might be the opposite. So I'm curious to um, to hear your thoughts on that. Um, from what I remember, you're not utterly perfect in every single way. Sadly, so you might no. have some, yeah, sadly, no. So I'm just curious about how you kind of maybe even harness the fact that you understand uh, or, or personally understand anxiety and, and mental health from, from um, yeah, from like a personal perspective. Yeah. Um, I definitely think it's helped me relate to people better because anxious people, tend to run very exhaustive simulations of all possible errors. It's like almost like a drill in your mind all the time, all the things that could go wrong. So you probably can find a scenario where you can relate to someone and that does help. I tend to kind of veer in the opposite direction though sometimes. We can get into this in a bit more detail later on in the podcast where sometimes I like over help and like start to avoid my own anxiety, I try to like solve someone else's and that's not always the most 
useful tactic. Sometimes people just want like support and a listening ear and sympathy and not like a nine-step action plan. Um, So I'm working on being a better listener and supporter that doesn't necessarily need to be an actor as well. Yeah, and Courtney, you can touch upon this and then we'll swing back to do our scales to check in for today, Um, just largely because I'm going to pretend I set it up on purpose, but I totally forgot. (laughs) I was wondering how we were going to loop back to that. I was like, let me make my answer really short and then hope we can swing around. I just figured I would admit it openly, but Courtney, if you want to touch upon that and uh, and then I can swing it back. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, it's kind of twofold. Like when I I first started to actually like get my education in therapy, because I kind of knew from when I was like a young teenager that I wanted to do this. But once I was actually kind of training to do it, uh, I definitely had that feeling of like, okay, well, you know, I have a mental illness, like I have anxiety and I have for a long time. So it's like, how is that going to play in? can I really help somebody with anxiety if I have anxiety? And uh, yeah, so that's definitely a concern. I feel less of that now that I'm actively practicing and have been for a little while that having like experiences with different mental illnesses or different struggles is definitely 100% a positive, uh, provided that you're kind of it's being treated. Like if you have totally like off the wall anxiety, you're not going to therapy, you're not seeing a doctor, then it could definitely interfere. But um, I don't find that I personally have that problem. So I do find it mostly a positive. Yeah, great. I think that's, that's wonderful. And that would be a great place to dive deeper into so many things if I had started this conversation after we checked <laughs> in. <laughs> but I will, I will, I've made a mental footnote of where I would love to take that afterwards. And we can go back to that. But uh, we'll wheel it back really quickly. And the first thing we'll do is just check in with each other. So our scale for today is on a scale of one to being solely responsible for world peace. Uh, <laughs> where are you at? And I guess, Allison, do you want to take that quickly since Courtney was just chatting there for a second? Sure. You can put your voice in there. And I know also that you have probably an answer that should go first. It seems like you might be the highest number <laughs> of the day. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm a nine and I want to emphasize that I feel also like it's a Richter nine, Richter scale, like being the earthquake scale that's logarithmic. Like I am like 10 times worse than an 8.9. I'm a very high nine. Um, But I don't feel, but the fact that I can speak means I'm not a 10. But basically I spent, I started the day at like oh three because I knew today was, uh, working on my taxes. And in typical ADHD anxiety fashion, I put off my taxes for the entire year until about two days before they're due. So that's two days before they're due. And I started to work on them today and everything was like going well. I was like, wow, I'm proud of myself. I'm doing a good job confronting my fears. And then suddenly like I was using TurboTax and then suddenly like an absurdly high number just like tabulated in the corner like literally like 30 or $38,000. And then I started like trying to keep like, I was like, oh shit. And I kept doing new things, trying to make the number go down. Like, you know, oh, well maybe it's because I didn't enter like this piece of information or that piece of information. And it basically wouldn't budge. And so pretty much like I had already, I had expected to pay about half or a third of that. And I, I have, I'd already paid that much. And so suddenly I'm faced with like, 
possibly paying like an additional $20,000 of taxes in 2020, the year of our deal. So that's like not great. Um, and so I just sent a bunch of like panicked emails to any bookkeeper who I am tangentially related to in any way, shape, or form. So, like, my mom and dad's CPA each got a message. My friend's CPA got a message. I started doing another tax filing thing. And so, yeah, I was, like, on the phone with, like, my mom in tears earlier just being like, why am I such a terrible adult? I can't do anything right. And then also, like, and also, please bother your accountant for me and tell her it's really an emergency. <laughs> pretty, pretty, so please. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's just like, it's one of those things, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And that's me every year with tax year. I'm like, oh, it's just gonna magically be fine this year. No, it's always fucking terrible. And I need to just like, be better about it and like get my ass in gear from the beginning and handle it like monthly instead of yearly and like actually just like pay someone to help me. But yeah, so... Um, I was in tears about 20 minutes before we recorded, so I'm a little emotional, but I'm with my friends right now in Germany, and I had actually been doing really well. Um, for those of you who listen every week, you already knew I was going on this trip, and I was really looking forward to it, but a little bit anxious about it, and it's been going really well. I'm really enjoying my time here, finally doing something different after being an indoor cat for six months, <laughs> but anyway, my friends grabbed me. They're so sweet. Uh pistachio chocolate bar and a coconut cherry cocktail which i am currently consuming out of a can so um, (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna get a real roller coaster from me today and it also means i'm probably gonna leave the the steering of this insane vehicle to chris most of the day but i'll definitely pitch in when i feel emotionally uh competent (laughs) well it's okay I'm, i'm i'm a good driver i got the wheel today and well my license is expired fair enough literally well i don't want to (laughs) add extra concerns to your plate i sympathize in all kinds of ways i'm sure there's probably an untold amount of listeners right now that are like that sounds the worst but also can identify with that because it's almost that trade-off where you're like well i could deal with this quarterly and be on top of it or i could just have two of the worst days ever so it seems (laughs) like you're on one of the worst days ever so yeah there you are in tradition of the show, um, we will also pass this question along to our guest um, for today. So <laughs> it's a very reasonable question, Courtney, <laughs> on a scale of one to being resp- solely responsible for world peace. Um, how are you feeling today? Yeah, that does sound really anxiety provoking. Uh, also, Allison, I'm impressed with how much you have done today. I have done essentially nothing so far. So that's pretty impressive. Um, my anxiety is actually pretty like stable and low right now. Um, still riding the high from the Thanksgiving weekend. I got to see my friends. Uh, sadly, Chris and Bree weren't there, but I saw the rest of our little group. Uh, we had a nice COVID-friendly outdoor Thanksgiving, and uh, that's something that always kind of grounds me and calms me. Seeing my friends, I usually feel pretty like content for a little while after that. Um, So yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. The only thing that's bringing me like a little bit up the scale is that this morning there was like 
insane construction happening right outside my apartment and it was like shaking the whole house so I got up at like 7 30 instead of a couple hours later like I normally do so I'd say I'm at like a three yeah yeah all right nice cool sounds yeah. very reasonable and I'm also very jealous of you Canadians for already having your Thanksgiving I need <laughs> to wait another month which is cruel I want my stuffing now i i am stuffed i have i've I've been i've been eating turkey and turkey related leftovers for for a couple days now and i'm sort of unapologetically ballooning at this point like i just just eating grotesque amounts for the last couple days it's been really nice that's the point of the weekend right is to just eat way more food than you can possibly handle yeah. Do, do you notice this is totally off? I, I probably don't want to take this on to a, a to a large tangent, but I just will put it to you quickly. Do you notice like the fullness is almost like it's more intense as you get older? Like you, you get like a really healthy dose of sleepiness too? Yeah, definitely. And like the fullness feels a lot more uncomfortable. Like yes. the body's just getting sick of it. It's like, okay, stop, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please, please. Enough is enough. I've been trying to tell you that you're full for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> you won't listen. So maybe I have to kick it up a notch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to make you feel. You cue appendicitis level stomach pains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're going to pay for this with a lot of discomfort and it won't even go away in a couple hours. In fact, you might roll over uncomfortably as you're trying to sleep. Uh, uh, that might just be me. And I really went or went all out this year. Um, anyways, I shall I shall ask myself the same question. Chris, on a scale of one to being solely responsible for world peace, where are you at, Chris? Thanks, Chris. Uh, obviously, I'm in a strange mood today. I think we can just agree with that. Um, yeah, so I'm not too bad today. I'm... I'm not actually really anxious today. Something I know that Allison and I have tried to be cognizant about on the show with our rating scale is not just assigning like not feeling great with necessarily being anxious. Yeah. So, so like I know that I'm not feeling 100%. I'm just like I'm a little bit lethargic. Like I, I have a to-do list for today. I woke up and looked at it and was like, Ugh. you know, like I just there wasn't anything that really was terribly – it didn't excite me to the core, so to speak. Um, but at the same time, like I'm not anxious today necessarily. It's just, I'm not a hundred percent. And I think that has a lot to do with probably just like the season change and um, perhaps the impending second wave, um, which is not impending. It's arrived. Yeah, just, and- just impending for you guys. We're yeah, in, we're was, in full throttle right now. Yeah, no, we're, we're here we're in Europe. In- we're in full throttle mode and, and um, that's sort of, it's brought things back in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. In, in uncountable ways, but I, you know, it's something we're all going through globally. So I'm, yeah. The moral of the story is I, I don't think I'm necessarily anxious. I'm probably like a, maybe a, a three or yeah, probably like a three is, is cause there's a, a baseline of anxiety that I think's embedded into this sort of like lethargy, if you will. Um, yeah. But I don't think it's it's the dominant feature. Yeah. I just want to hijack this just a little bit. Um, you know, thinking about this uh, kind of impending second wave and just how necessarily as things shut down outdoors, um, things are just going to get worse because indoor transmission is like the key vector. I'm just feeling a little regretful that I let my anxiety get 
so much the best of me in most of summer and just like stayed inside all the time and didn't really enjoy while things were like relatively good. And I've just been having a little bit of like mourning that I didn't fully enjoy the supposed like good time, like the calm before the storm. And now I'm glad I'm here um, visiting friends at a time where like I was a still allowed to and uh, B, like, you know, things aren't so bad here in Germany that it's not safe to um, things. They're starting to put up some more restrictions, but it's not in lockdown or anything. But I don't know. I'm just the last couple of days, I've just been filled with a little bit of regret that I think is kind of giving me some anxiety. And I wonder if anyone else is kind of kind of feeling the same, like maybe, oh, I should have, you know, tried to enjoy the summer a little more and kind of feeling a little antsy going into fall and winter. Yeah. Uh, Courtney, do you want to speak to that at all? I'm not sure if you want to speak to. Yeah, I've definitely found kind of the same thing around like the fall being kind of a it's like a, a tougher time than the summer and kind of looking back on the summer and thinking, did I see enough people when the weather was nice and kind of feeling that rush to see people again while the weather's still like somewhat decent. Um, so, and it's like the winter's always a bummer for me. I'm not a huge winter fan. It's too yeah, dark same. and all that. So with this added like, oh, second wave, we're probably going to have the same winter we had last time. It's just, it is a lot. It kind of brings you down and definitely sparks the anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. The weather shift, I think is, it's real. And, but, but I, I think it also, it comes back to, um, you know, that image that, uh, Ryan was like, was, was creating all those great images for the group yes. <laughs> and, he, and he created the image of like the Chris Mitchell, if I'd only known. And if people, don't know, me. <laughs> if, if people don't know what I'm talking about, you, we, we, this is in the, we're anxious about Facebook group and a former guest and, uh, friend of the show created this image in reference to something I said in the last episode, which was that we have this tendency to like, just sort of pile up all these things. And I think this was what I was relation to. I, I mean, I talk a lot, so I, but from what I, what I recall, I was referring to like this, like idea that, you know, Oh, if I'd only known this, I could have, you know, done X or I should have done X or whatever. And it was this idea of this, like this violin being like, ta, 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 like if I'd only known, you know, <laughs> and I think it's a little bit of that too with, with COVID because, but I think it's unfair, you know, in the sense mm -hmm. that um, we just didn't know, right? Like this, we've never been faced with such uncertainty in our lives. And so it's easy to, to go back along the path now that we know what the path is. But there was so much uncertainty. I don't think, I think for anyone listening and Allison to, to you here, like, I don't think you can, I don't think you can like attack yourself for doing your best in the most uncertain time of your existence. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and so that's, you know, like, I think that's just the way that we have to look at that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I'm just, as I've been doing kind of like a little bit of normalcy here in Germany, because I'm finally in a country that has people that follow rules, which normally is not really uh, a positive for me. But in pandemic, it's like, oh, that's that's what I'm looking for in a, in a people. Um, <laughs> I finally felt comfortable doing some of the things that I haven't been doing and realizing how great it feels to do those things, uh, like get a coffee with a friend. I even had like 
ramen in a restaurant because like everything was so socially distanced inside that it seemed like very safe. I wasn't even anxious about it. And so, um, you know, I'm just like, geez, I kind of wish I had known this and before and made a little bit more use of it over the summer instead of just being indoor cat again. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, I sort of derailed things, but I think it's important to talk about because I think a lot of people, you know, it's it's a rough time anyway. In a, in a good year, it's a rough time to transition from summer to winter and fall to me, I've never been one of those girls who gets excited about fall and like wants to go to pumpkin patches and wear sweaters and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like I just think, oh, the days are getting shorter with each day. The light is dying and things <laughs> will continue to die until December 22nd on the solstice when things will slowly but very slowly start to get better. And there will still be months of darkness. <laughs> I get really, really, I get really bummed about fall because yeah. I have seasonal affective disorder. Um, so like this year, it's been a little rough because I'm kind of like down the uh, the rabbit hole there with like seasonal affective disorder combined with some like COVID summer regret for not like having what I could make out of a summer. Sometimes we derail the conversation and I'm like, well, we really didn't need to talk about like the Broccoli Council of America or whatever, some something ridiculous, <laughs> some like ridiculous thing. In this case, I have a hard time believing that there aren't a number of people who might uh, sympathize with uh, with that and, and resonate with that. So I don't think that's a bad derail. So you don't have to add to the shame pile in this instance. Okay. So um, oh, wow, but- a shame pile this time. Is it like, can we, are we going to go with like a bonfire theme? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we always have a theme that we unwittingly go for. So different, <laughs> different variations of it's like, it's like shame Play-Doh at this point. We just molded into different things, shame, houses, <laughs> shame piles, whatever. Um, I do like shame was, pile. <laughs> yeah. Shame pile. I think's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Shall we go to the actual topic at hand? <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say we've we've derailed. Let's re-rail. Um, I am going to re-rail by actually it's 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 in reference to something that you mentioned that I think would be a great place to start, Courtney. Just because Allison and I are cognizant of of not talking like a ridiculous amount on guest episodes because the two of us um, have a tendency to do that. And so I just would, I'd love to give you the floor just for a second to talk about, you mentioned that you knew from your teenage years that this is something you want to get into. I'd love like, to, to talk a little bit more about that. Like what, what was it that you, where you realized this is a field that I want to be in? Yeah, that's a really good question. So as a kid, I was always like a super empathetic person, just kind of part of my personality, I guess. Um, and so I would always, my parents tell all these stories of how I would always get upset if we couldn't like give money to the homeless person on the street or buy like the chocolate bar that some, you know, Boy Scout was trying to sell. Like I was always very much like wanting to help people. Um and I always had anxiety as a kid, although it was the 90s. So who knew what anxiety was at that time? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I wasn't uh, formally diagnosed with anxiety until my early 20s. Um, but looking back, I was just the most anxious kid ever. Um, so once I hit about 12 or 13, um, my parents put me in therapy. Um, and 
I always felt, I spoke to like maybe three different therapists um, when I was in high school, and I always kind of felt like they just didn't really get it, and they weren't really understanding me or asking the Mm -hmm. right questions. So at some point, like in a therapy appointment, I just kind of said in my head, like, I want to be a person that people can come and talk to and feel like I get it. So from there, my whole like high school university trajectory was to get to a place where I could have my own therapy practice. Um, And after like a decade-ish of school, I'm finally hitting that place. (laughs) Nice. Congratulations. And I find that so interesting um, that you, you had a bad experience with therapy as a young teenager um, but wanted to then sort of change the field as a result. And I kind of had an, a similar uh, situation with a totally different outcome. I also was put into therapy around age 12 or 13. And I was super, super resistant to it. And my parents like literally forced me as and sometimes would pick me up and put me in the car force me <laughs> to go to therapy. And um, as you can imagine, uh, that has sort of a, created a strained relationship with therapy. And so I've always kind of kept therapy at a bit of an arm's distance and something I know would benefit me, but I always have a little bit of that mistrust kind of from my childhood days. And I think it's so interesting that rather than than carry that mistrust that you were able to uh, turn it into like a positive action rather than like a grudge like I've been nursing. <laughs> like right, yeah. I think that's really cool and really interesting. Thanks. Yeah. I never really thought about it that way, uh, that it easily could have just turned me off of it. But yeah, it was just the way that my brain worked. I was like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this job better than you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that I like that a lot. And before we started recording, I was mentioning to you how that's the reason that I became a teacher because I was a student with ADHD who was rambunctious and I had a teacher particularly towards the latter part of elementary school who just could not have understood me less and in fact you know made a point of he would um, make me write lines for any indiscretion that I did that day 20 lines so I would end most days with like 200 lines so I I owe him quite a bit for good handwriting thank you but (laughs) But I will say that it was, it started to get to a point like, um, you know, he was intense about it. He would hide around the school. And if we were walking, he, he would, he would catch you for like no gaps in line and stuff like that. Wow. Um, he needs a which, life. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you know, by the end of it, like I didn't mind getting no gaps in line because it was a short sentence. <laughs> some other lines were a lot longer, but, but all that to say, I made, I made a pact to myself that, oh, I, I think I can actually help students like this. And that. I'd like to think of my teaching career, I brought that with me very much to the classroom, understanding that, you know, it's okay if a kid needs to go for a walk and it's okay if a student, you know, I, I made a pact with some of my more rambunctious students that they could come to my desk and ask to go to the washroom if they needed to just walk around the hall. And uh, and that was fine, you know, that they could take the time they needed. And I think a lot of the kids were, were kind of appreciated that. The... The one thing I would say, though, is at the beginning of teaching, and I and I assume this could be like therapy as well, Courtney, but you can speak this a little bit. It's a lot about combating the imposter syndrome. Um, and imposter syndrome is something that Allison and I have talked about nonstop on the show. I'd love to hear, Courtney, how you sort of think about like, how, well, one, how do you 
get over imposter syndrome? Is it something you get over or is there something you just carry with you? Or maybe it's something you have no relationship to and this question will fail, but <laughs> you can, but you can maybe speak to that in some way. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, imposter syndrome, I would say, is something that everybody deals with at, at some point in time, or at least most people. Sure. Um, I would say that it doesn't necessarily last if you're doing things to combat it. But I mean, if you just internalize, like, I'm not going to be as good at this as other people, like you might kind of screw yourself in that way and that you just accept that and don't end up pushing forward. But um, the thing with imposter syndrome is, well, okay, this is many topics in therapy where I can speak to it, but practicing it myself is another story. But, that, that's this podcast, <laughs> by the way. So you're good. Yeah. You're good <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd say like the biggest thing for imposter syndrome is realizing that like everybody is kind of an imposter. Like nobody really knows what they're doing basically, or feels yeah. like they know what they're doing. So it's kind of like, if you were trained to be a teacher, and you're worried about making sure you're a good teacher, you're pretty much guaranteed to be a good teacher. So imposter syndrome is actually something that kind of tells you that you're doing a good job, because otherwise mm. you wouldn't care. So for my private practice, for instance, like my full time job at a company is giving therapy to people. So I do it for eight hours a day, every day. But with my private practice, I have had so much imposter syndrome. It's like, do I even know anything about therapy? Do I know anything about anxiety? Like, I was in school for 10 years, but like, does that even matter? So it's something everybody gets no matter what. And I've just kind of been trying to deal with it personally by just reminding myself that I'm trained to do this job. And so like, I can at least do it to the baseline requirement and then, you know, hoping that I get good feedback from my clients and that they stay with me so that once I see like, okay, I can actually do this, hopefully it will go away entirely. <laughs> That's really refreshing to hear actually the idea. I really like the idea that because you have imposter syndrome or like because you feel like you might not be the best and you have to keep working and you like that, that's what might, might make you the best. And mm -hmm. I also think I would you know, relish the chance to have somebody in a, a therapist, like uh, someone who was a therapist or someone I was speaking to who, you know, didn't have this like highfalutin, like sitting on a, sitting on a stack of medical books, you know, yeah. like, like, like really just talking person to person, because I think that can be a problem for people with anxiety is that they're, they're already, this, this already is something they've built up so large. And I bet you it's much to your benefit, like it would be a huge um, relief for some people to get there and be like, oh, this is just another person who's thought a lot more deeply about this than I have, you know, and might and, yeah. and 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 might be able to help me untangle untangle some of the webs, you know. For sure, like I've realized a lot of it because sometimes I feel like I'm just a person, but it is just the difference of I spent my time in school learning about mental health instead of something else. So it is kind of like I'm just a person who has experience in this area and then learned a lot of stuff that other people maybe haven't learned because they've taken different paths in their lives. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's kind of how I view it instead of like somebody who's above other people and I'm like lording mm -hmm. over them with my mental health knowledge, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hierarchies can be problematic in human yeah. nature <laughs> as we've understood. Uh, Allison, did you want to chime in on that at all? Yeah. I'm just curious. Do you feel like a pressure to have your life like more quote quote together than other people because you're a therapist or are you able to like 
be uh, like gentle with yourself and extend yourself grace when you struggle. Like I'm just curious about, you know, how does a therapist cope with a bad day? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. So being nicer to myself and being more like compassionate and giving myself grace to just be a human is definitely something that I've had to build up over the past many years. So I'd say at first it was definitely, yeah, kind of almost like shameful or stressful that I have dealt with my own mental health issues and continue to. It's something that you just kind of are always dealing with. Um, But after realizing, okay, there's like a secret, open secret in the therapy world that everybody's here because they have some sort of experience that relates to therapy. They've been through something or whatever. So every therapist you see has like something going on with them. Like we are absolutely not perfect people. And realizing that none of us are perfect helped me kind of take away that self-criticism and instead just try to learn. So whenever if I have a bad session or I feel like somebody didn't really kind of click with me, it felt like maybe I wasn't as helpful as I wanted to be. I try to just change it into like, what lesson can I learn here uh, instead of Mm -hmm. really internalizing it? So I'm not necessarily open with clients about, you know, my own anxiety or whatever it might be, mostly because that's not, I mean, it's about them. It's not really about me. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's definitely not something I feel like ashamed for clients to know if they were to Mm -hmm. ask or inquire about that. It's not something that I would lie about. So I don't necessarily feel that pressure to be like a perfect human specimen. (laughs) Yeah, that's good because that sounds like it would be exhausting. Yeah, (laughs) very anxiety provoking. (laughs) Yeah, I've played that. I've played that game. I know the why am I not perfect game. It's not a very fun one. No. Favorite games. I wanted to just quickly say, and sorry if you were going to say something, Allison, but I got overexcited. Yep. I have something circled, um, so we're going to have to take a moment. <laughs> uh, but I, I really like the idea of this, the idea of the open secret in, in therapy or that, that often people perhaps get into it, into it because they are passionate about it, right? And it reminds me of this sort of notion of like, well, why wouldn't that be the case, right? I mean, like, I'm just imagining myself uh, playing competitive hockey and I get on the ice and my coach can't even skate, you know, has never been on the ice before, right? Doesn't know the game at all and is trying to coach you. It's like, well, how would that be possible, right? Like you need somebody who's familiar with the game to coach you. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what Allison, I think it was Allison was asking before at the beginning of the podcast about like, what's it like with uh, like having experience with mental illness and how does that kind of impact things? I've kind of come to like my own personal bias that if you haven't experienced any sort of mental illness or you've just had like a super privileged peachy keen life, I don't know how great of a therapist you would be because I feel like you kind of have to have at least a little bit of that experience in order to really get it. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, like, that's my own bias. <laughs> no, no, that makes, no, no, that, no, that think, makes perfect sense. I would never want to talk to someone who didn't know what it was like to have at least like one of the sensations I have, I feel myself feeling on like a daily basis, you know, like they don't have to have like my, my exact, uh, dsm5 trading cards (laughs) but uh you know at least i would like to um you know know that when i speak about anxiety there's something that clicks for them on like a visceral level so that they kind of know what that feels like you know because trying to explain it 
um, is hard, you know, it's like, it's, it's something I'd rather someone just know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but at the same time, yeah, it's always like, how much do you, do you share with your client to get, you know, to just be like, yeah, I'm on the same, I'm on the same, uh, wavelength. I understand what you mean. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I'm sure, uh, a difficult balance to try to, to try to tow. For sure. And I think a lot of it is just that the understanding probably, comes through like I'll I frame things a lot in general so like when we have anxiety blah 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 blah. so I kind of do like link myself Mm -hmm. to the client in that way without explicitly being like hey I have anxiety you know so but I think in order to have that that link and that understanding like you were kind of saying you gotta you gotta have some sort of a of a deep like relationship to it like oh I know what this feeling is like you know right right I think that's that's really interesting and very well put. And in my head, I just keep picturing this situation where somebody comes in and spills their heart out about anxiety, and the therapist is like, "Oh, that must suck." Ooh, you know, like, <laughs> like, 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 oh, I, I am sorry to hear you have to go through that every day. I, I am, you know, I'm very glad it's not me. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh wow. <laughs> That's a, that's a I big one. I kind of feel that way. <laughs> I kind of feel that way with my psychiatrist here. Like in in Bulgaria, like mental health is still not very talked about. And while my psychiatrist is a very nice man, sometimes like the way that he asks me to sort of like explain things makes me be like, wait, like are you are you not familiar with this yeah. this feeling? You know, like yeah, for when sure. I said when I was like. When I, and maybe it's partly a language barrier, but I was like, I was trying to explain like that I was feeling very snappy since taking a medication. And I, I like gave a couple examples and he he looked like beguiled and perplexed and shocked. Like, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Someone is irritable. And I like kept using other words like irritable, like, you know, like uh, quick tempered, like all sorts of yeah. other things. So it wasn't just like a, a not what is this word, but I was just... It was funny. I was just like, wow, like there's just sort of a fundamental just like, you know, like a register that that you don't necessarily have that yeah. I have, you know. And so I think it's nice to speak to people who have a similar register because sometimes it can be really tiring. I've had some doctors uh, in the past who are like that and it can be quite tiring to try to explain what you feel like or like pretty unremarkable symptoms of anxiety (laughs) or depression you know like oh I feel a lack of joy what is the lack of joy I'm just like what how do I have to explain this to you but I think that's part of like I think that's part of the um that's something that for me I've always struggled with a little bit with therapy is like um the question like uh you know, the amount of questions and not knowing how to answer questions and sort of like the back and forth sometimes is always a little bit, I'm not quite sure how it helps me, but maybe it's like about me verbalizing the the realization I need to get rather than it being served to me on a silver platter. And I think yeah. this goes back to sort of how I try to help people, which is by like, solving our all the problems you know it's like it's like the someone being like hey I need help with my homework and me being like 
don't worry, I'll do it for you. And just like handing them, right. you know, like the the piece of homework that's all completed rather than like actually sitting down with them and like teaching them a concept. I feel like that's kind of like how I tend to try to help people. And I'm learning that that's not the best. But I think that's been something that's always been a little bit of like a struggle for me with therapists is like, like, why the fuck are you asking me so many questions? Like, don't you know? Don't you know? Give me the answers. Give me the answers. And I feel like I'm shaking a tree that's not giving me any fruit. That's amazing. I've definitely had a few clients where they come in kind of guns blazing, like, give me the like solution to anxiety. And it's like, wow, we have so much to go through. Like, there's yeah. so much information. Like, I don't know enough about you to even start here. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's definitely, and that makes sense to me because when people are particularly like suffering with whatever it is, if your anxiety is super high because of something, you do just want the solution, right? But if I just poured a bunch of information out to you, like you wouldn't even necessarily know like where to start or what to do with it. But yeah, yeah that feeling of like, okay, I need a solution. And I actually have that, like that's something I had to learn when I first started doing therapy was like, I think it might be an anxiety thing. People with anxiety just want to like, okay, here's your solution. Now, please like, let's lower the level of intensity here. But, uh, but really it's kind of like, I'll get a client. I know what the end goal is that I want them to get to, but like we have to take a journey to actually get there. So I've kind of been forced through my job to like kind of pull myself away from the here's a solution and you know, your life will be great if you just do this one thing and recognizing that, okay, I have a bunch of information that this person doesn't have. So I need to kind of walk them through the information to get them where, you know, I think they want to be or where they would be happier you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's not as if it, with mental health, you sort of, you're going to have a moment uh, in session number 12, where it's like all the lights come on. It's like, oh, and we've got there. You'll get your um, cured plaque in the mail next week. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it's, like it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a never ending process in some ways. And not, I don't mean that in like a, let's make everyone anxious, but the fact that it's, you know, it's, indefinite it's not that it's just that and, and this is you're going to be better able to speak to this from from your side of things but but to me it was like speaking to someone is valuable not so you can you know be like oh and i'm cured now it's it's more to come to terms with the fact that like you're not uh perfect but nobody is and that's okay and like it's more about building a comfortable um, and kind safety net to your thoughts you know and not going willy nilly, you know, just sort of giving yourself the, a breather to be like, Hey, I'm not, uh, I'm not okay. But like, maybe the goal isn't to be perfect. Right. Like uh, that, that, mm -hmm. that is okay. And like, I've understood already. I know myself well enough to know that it's not like I'm going to wake up on my 42nd birthday and be like, well, that was a tough go, but you know, I'm finally here. You know, like the, the skies have opened for me. Um, anyways, that's a, <laughs> a long extended metaphor in some ways. Yeah. But I think, I think there's some like, I think there's almost power in realizing like, it's not as if you're damaged now and won't be later. It's more just understanding that like, you're just going to contend with certain things in your life. And that's kind of the way it goes. Like the, nobody, as I said, no one's dealt this perfect hand, right? It's more about figuring out how to play the hand you were dealt. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, the quote, it's from a Robert Frost poem. It may have a different origin but like the only way out is through. And I think that's sort of 
symbolic in a way of like the therapy journey is if you go to uh if you show up to therapy being like I want this this and this solved by the end of next week they're gonna be like first of all I don't have those answers and second of all I don't even know you enough to help you get there you know and so you kind of have to go through a very slow process and if you're someone who wants to receive help in a very fast way it can be kind of uh, disappointing, I suppose, but it's truly the only way it'll work. And I think some like from the other end of the spectrum, coming from the person helping side, like you don't always have all the information you need at the beginning. It's a bit of a journey. Yeah, for sure. And like, even though you can define all these different things, depression, anxiety, whatever it might be, everybody's experience with it is very mm. different. It's very personal. You know, even on this show, we see how there's like so many different things people could be anxious about. Allison, like you might be anxious about something where Chris is like, wow, I've never even thought of that. But so it, it comes <laughs> out differently for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's definitely part of it is that people kind of don't necessarily want to do that work if they don't have to. It's like, oh, is therapy going to just be kind of a quick fix? But it's like, no, like my job is to kind of help you go through all that really hard stuff that you don't really want to think about. Because if you don't go through it and figure it out, um, any other fix is just going to be like a Band-Aid where yeah. these things will just keep coming up and coming up until you actually process it. So that quote that you just gave, Allison, I actually used, I didn't know where it came from. So I'm glad I know it's Robert Frost, but I use that the only way out is through a lot for people specifically with uh, grief, especially because that's mm-hmm. something that people like to like avoid, obviously, because it's a terrible feeling. But we do have to kind of feel those terrible feelings and let ourselves do that in order to not get rid of them, but lessen them and be able to kind of move forward. So yeah, yeah that's funny that you quoted that. Yeah. Very serendipitous. I must, I must say, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I actually didn't know that. I'm not sure if I ever understood that quote, but it seems uh, familiar. And I think it's just something I learned as well too. Um, when losing my best buddy, in 2011, um, tragically, you know, it was just this sort of thing where I did a really good job of avoiding it for 10 months, probably. And just, um, it was really only when I sat down to try and face it that I got anywhere with it. Um, and I think that's probably this, you know, perhaps this, um, true for a lot of different journeys when it comes to at least grief and, and, and that, and that kind of thing. But it's, it's also sort of the signifier, like there, there really are no shortcuts, you know, like in work and everything like that. Like, I think most of the world does a great job of like trying to s- sell us shortcuts for A, B, C, and D. And you realize like, like anything else, probably therapy is, is, is the same, or at least working on yourself. It doesn't, you know, in some way it, it takes work, right? Like it's a long journey. It's not, not something that happens in four days, right? There are no mm-hmm. D. There are no what? Yeah. There are no detox teas. Remember my big rant about detox teas and how they're all a scam? <laughs> there are no detox teas for your emotions in life. Yes. That's very true. And I mean, you could drink a detox tea, mental health wise, and it might help for like a little bit, but it it won't fully take away what you have to face, basically. 
Uh, I do find this comes up a lot with anxiety. The instinct is definitely to try to like ignore it and push it away and try to kind of pursue through it. But I usually tell people you almost have to like befriend your anxiety in order to control it. So kind of like the opposite of the instinct of just like, I'm going to run away from this. I'm going to avoid this. It's like, no, you kind of have to like really dig into it. And then you can actually find ways to to lessen it or get rid of it or whatever it might be. So one thing that's helped me in my journey with anxiety is realizing that anxiety is like a result of um, my like uh, biology and evolution and parasympathetic nervous system, everything that tries to help me avoid pain and suffering just going a little bit too intense, going a little too haywire. And so you Uh can kind of think of anxiety as like a very overzealous friend (laughs) rather than like (laughs) an evil voice coming from the closet. (laughs) Like, because anxiety isn't trying to hurt you. It's trying to protect you, you know? And so it's like, I read something about how basically like panic attacks are, you know, just like your flight or fight response system. Like, giving it a uh, fire drill basically, but like all the time in real life. And that really kind of put it into perspective for me that I'm like, oh, I'm not like just like deeply malfunctioning. This is something that my body was trained to do. It's just doing it at the wrong time to try to protect me from something that my body thought was really scary or my brain thought was really scary. And so kind of recontextualizing that, that like anxiety is a protective force that's gone a little bit too far and needs to be just like reined in a bit. It's kind of helped me like make peace with my anxiety and view it as like something that's not just like intrinsically 100% unequivocally negative. It's like, yeah, sometimes it really sucks, but like it also helps me be super attuned to lots of different things in life. Hmm. Yeah. I actually have found like my own, journey with anxiety has been really similar in terms of like accepting that it's just like part of me it's how my brain is wired you know unfortunately they do the fire drills and they <laughs> freak out about things that you shouldn't freak out about but yeah I've tried to do the same thing where it's like there's got to be positives to my anxiety I think that it makes me a better person a more aware person it helps me help other people so finding those positives and kind of embracing it as just this is how I am it's part of what makes me who I am and I have to find ways to kind of tone it down but it's a lot easier to deal with it if you kind of embrace it as part of you instead Mm -hmm. of being like this is like a malfunction that I don't want Mm -hmm. and I need to get rid of you know yeah it's really I really like that uh Allison, the idea of like the overzealous friend who's just like, it's like, all right, calm down, yeah. you know, but you. Yeah. Like seeing a candle and being like, there's yeah, a fire, there's it, a fire. And you're like, it's actually yeah. under It kind of reminds me of, you, yeah, calm it kind of reminds me when you're like, you're growing up or whatever. And you're, you know, your, your mom is, you know, or your parents are kind of always like, don't do that. Don't watch out for this. Watch out for that. Watch out. You know, and they're, they're worried about you. And it, you know, on the one hand, you're like, okay, I'm a little, I'm a little frustrated. I get it. Like, I'm not like, like, I'm not going to injure myself eight times a day, although I did my entire childhood. But, um, <laughs> but you also, there's, there's a part under it where you're like, no, I understand that this is all part of love. You know, like it's, it's kind of adorable in yeah. the other way. And uh, I'm not saying anxiety is adorable because it sure isn't, but 
It's just a helicopter. Yeah, parent. exactly. But it's I, yeah. it's your own helicopter parent that's just like, you know, you're you're heading out, um, you're heading out the door, and you're like, wait, did you turn off the stove? Because if you didn't, you're about to burn this whole place down, baby. And you're like, oh my gosh, you run back in, check the stove, and you're like. Okay, so um, yeah, uh, definitely didn't even use the stove today. So (laughs) (laughs) I actually haven't cooked anything in a week. So I definitely didn't leave the stove on. (laughs) And then the parent is like, yeah, but you might have left the stove on. Maybe you don't remember. Yeah, and and realistically, (laughs) if I called, if I called my mom and was just like, hey, mom, I think I'm going to let the stove on. She'd be like, Chris, turn around from whatever you're doing and run back to the house to check. (laughs) I actually have a terrible habit of leaving the stove on. I have left it on twice in the last two days just because I'm cooking at my friend's house on like a a place I'm unfamiliar with. And I always take whatever's on the burner off the burner before just like abandoning ship. But there's been twice that my friends are like, "Uh, Allison, uh, anything, anything going on with this burner? You doing anything over there? And I'm like, oh shit. I'm actually trying to warm That's up. Just, you know. I'm trying to warm up the apartment. Actually, take a hint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say the exact same thing. We have great, great minds think alike. I did want to say though, Allison, just it's funny when you that you mentioned that, and that I bet you all three of us can nod our heads politely to this. But do you find that when you're a little bit more anxious, you're just more prone to those little mistakes? You know, like those little little oh, things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because my brain is always, you know, 10% deep into 20 different thoughts, you know? And so it's like, I'm always, I feel kind of like I'm, my brain is like a firefighter trying to knock out like a ton of different little embers all the time. And things are just always sprouting up in places I don't expect. And I'm like, oh shit, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And so I'm always kind of like in damage control mode. And I think people with anxiety sometimes can feel like that. And it can be kind of like, it's hard to know how to prioritize things when you have anxiety, right? Because like everything feels equally catastrophic and urgent. And so I think when you're in a heightened state of anxiety, I tend to hop around and do things like a lot more chaotically. Mm -hmm than usual normally my chaos is born of just like disorganization but like a lot of the time if I'm anxious it's just like the anxiety definitely fans the flames Mm -hmm. there for sure I'm also like naturally a pretty forgetful person like there's a running joke with all of my friends where I always leave something at somebody's house yeah Chris is like (laughs) yes this is the thing I've left so many things at Chris's apartment <laughs> like it's just it's always a thing like from Thanksgiving just this weekend um my friend called me like five minutes after I left and was like oh you forgot this like it's just no matter how hard I try yeah so when I'm particularly anxious it's like tenfold so yeah. it's like I know that I'm forgetful so if I think of the stove it's like oh there's actually a pretty you know likely scenario where I did leave the stove on so yeah. definitely doesn't help when I was a teacher I would always leave worksheets in different places every single time and have to like halt everything and try to hunt down the worksheets in my like mess of a classroom. And it was always in a different place every single day because I'd have a thought and the thought would feel so urgent that I had to act on it. So I'd put down the worksheets in like the most absurd place and then like have to act on that thought and do it. It's just like, I think when you have an anxious mind, you just, or maybe that's a little bit of like a 
undiagnosed ADHD Mm -hmm. thing is like, uh, you know, I just, I have a thought and it's like, oh shit, I need to act on that thought right now and just like put down whatever you're doing and just like go do the thing. And it's hard when you're a teacher um, because, you know, you're you're making so many decisions constantly. Um, I think I read like a teacher makes an average of like a thousand decisions a day. And, um, you know, so you're always kind of like you, you're, you're trying to help people and keep everything running smoothly, but it's so easy to just every, every need feels equally important. So it's very easy to kind of like lose track of where you're steering the train and then your worksheets end up like, you know, in the fucking snack closet for some reason <laughs> yeah do, do you do you remember allison i sent you that image of i saw it on the adhd subreddit and it's this big image and it says where is the thing and it's a circle that's split down the middle and half is green and half is purple although the colors seem very irrelevant now that i've said them out loud but you half of it says is carelessly set down brackets i forget where and the other half is deliberately put in special place, brackets, I forget where. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is so relatable. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's yeah. no in between. It's either you're like, I'll never forget no. where I put this now. And then like three days later, you find it like <laughs> under a cupboard with like three to four markers. Yeah. T- you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> And you'll like know that it was supposed to be a special place. So you'll be like, okay, I put it in a special place. Like, what yeah. was I thinking at the time? Yeah, you're like, oh, and to make sure I know it's a special place, I'm going to put this glass of water on top. Yeah. And, and you're like, as if like it's like this, like this secret code. And you're like, I'll know because at some point I'll drink the water and that'll definitely you're like, be a sign. You like leave a trail of weird breadcrumbs to find it again. You're like, why wouldn't I just put this somewhere I could find? It, as opposed yeah. to being like when i see this and the sun hits it at this angle the crystal shall point to like it's like the da vinci code you're like what the hell yeah. is this well, i'm like that with like digital stuff too <laughs> like instead of just taking the second to like label things properly and like put it in like a system that makes sense like i just have like a chaotic mess of things which i delete frequently in a panic when running out of space while editing the podcast because it <laughs> takes an ungodly amount of space and then i'm like shit like where was this like important pdf i had saved and then i have to like spend like a you know an hour trying to like refind a pdf that's somewhere in like the abysses of the internet um We've gone very off track from helping people. No, it's okay. It it's okay. I have like, a, I, I have a really good rerail question. Um, okay. And I'm also, yeah. by the way, going to use this phrase from now on, Allison. I hope because we mentioned like derailing re-railing. and now rerailing, although it's sounding an awful lot like a strip club. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but to rerail, uh, there was one question that I really wanted to make sure that I asked uh, you, Courtney, and it was. It was this, really, that when we're teenagers, we're so certain in our emotions, even though we like shouldn't be. Like there should be a sign that's like that's just like you're a work in progress, like all around you that you carry with you. But yeah. I'm curious what you understand now about anxiety that you were maybe wrong about as a teenager. Like what did you think you understood about anxiety when you were younger that you now know just isn't the case? That's a really good question. I don't know if I ever, like, before I knew I had anxiety, 
I wasn't even familiar with it, so I didn't really have a lot of thoughts about it. So I would say more than necessarily having things that I like specifically thought, it's more like I went from knowing basically nothing to kind of like understanding why I function the way that I do. Hmm. I would say I definitely had the experience of like, if someone has anxiety, it's like, uh, like a constant and super like obvious thing, like somebody who has just totally uncontrollable anxiety and you'd know immediately from talking to them yeah. versus realizing now that it can be like very mild. It can be severe. Like people have things like all sorts of mental illnesses on a spectrum. So kind of just embracing the fact that like, if I have anxiety, it doesn't mean I'm like crazy or can't function or all those kind of, you know, those stereotypes that definitely existed in the 90s. And as we were teenagers, so I'd say that's probably the biggest thing is it just being normal for me versus mm. something that seemed like a very big deal that I possibly couldn't be dealing with. Okay, yeah, that's great. No, that's a perfect answer. I, I, I understood the question would be difficult in the first place, but I, you're right. I mean, when you're, uh, I can relate so heavily to what you talk, what you're talking about, knowing that you're something's off. You know, for me, it was after, um, after my my buddy Kyle passed away. You know, I knew something was off. I just didn't know how to put a label on it, and mm-hmm. I just didn't know what it was. And I just, and then I was also frightened too to talk out loud about it mm-hmm. in case people were like. I think this guy like needs to be put on the next train to, I don't know where, but like he's being sent away, you know, right. like, whereas you quickly realize like, Oh no, this is something that other people have experienced before you start to get language for it. Mm-hmm. The more that I've learned about it. And I guess probably this leads to why I, I think Alice and I were keen to start the podcast in the first place. Like the more that I learned about it and talked about it, the more I can understand it and the less, shame I seem to associate with it because it's just become clear that everyone has their own battle, you know, that they're, that they're fighting. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, 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 I'm grateful to have the language is what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's actually an interesting thing that you touched on and I'll try to not, you know, derail too much, but in kind of the, the therapy field, there is a lot of discussion about labels and whether or not they're helpful. It's like, Uh, diagnosing somebody with anxiety is that just pathologizing them and kind of labeling them or is it actually helpful and I tend to be on the side of like labels are helpful because before you really like you kind of touched on you knew something's kind of wrong like as a teenager I knew that I was kind of like slightly different I always felt like okay I care a lot more about stuff than other people do Mm -hmm. or I worry about things a lot more than I see other people worrying about but once you actually have a word for it, it first of all makes you feel like kind of almost more normal because you're like, okay, there's a word for what's happening to me. It's not just that my brain is like crazy or something. Mm-hmm. So it, there's that. And then it also helps with like knowing there's other people dealing with the same thing as you, which can be a really normalizing experience for people because if you don't really know what's going on, you're just like, okay, something's wrong with me, but I don't know what. Whereas if it has a label, that means like a lot of people must be dealing with this for it to be medically recognized. So I think that's really helpful too for being like, no, a lot of people deal with this. Like we have a word for it and everything. Yeah. And I think a thing that's important to distinguish is, um, describing versus defining like a 
label can help describe your symptoms and give you language for it, but it doesn't have to define you. And I think if you use labels as definition, it can be limiting. But if you use labels as like gateways to understanding and finding resources and literature and having words to express how you're feeling with someone, I think that helps quite a bit. Yeah, that's a really good distinction for sure. Yeah, that's very well said on both of your parts. I won't even try to add my two cents. I think you've added all the cents. I don't need to add more cents there. Um, <laughs> Have we got a full dollar or something? Yeah, I was like, going to say, I, I, buy I was going to try and actually really go deep on like the two cents metaphor. But then I was like, uh, there was something in the back of my head that was like, Chris, just uh, just, just, just nod rest. in their direction and move forward. Bud. <laughs> just politely nod. <laughs> yeah, just, just politely nod. You don't need to go into the back end of how 20 cents and two cents equals $3. You know, <laughs> we're not looking for math, bud. Yeah. Well, before Chris starts doing a quadratic equation in his head, maybe we should take this as a place to just quickly wrap up and start to get the wheels in motion to re-rail our way out of here. Yeah. Uh, the, tra- the train, the whole train thing has really been present lately. I'm not sure what's going on with the derail and the re-rail and the conductor and all kinds of stuff, but... We like trains, fire, and houses, apparently. Yes. Yeah, we're borderline obsessed. A strange combination, it's a but very... it works. <laughs> yeah. Don't, we didn't ask you to come out here and judge us, okay? All right. Yeah, we're, a, we're, totally. a fra- we're a fragile duo. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Allison. Point taken. I think that I think that's this is the perfect place to to shift into this last little spot here, where we can look at grabbing that polite bow on things before we get into the thing we're patting ourselves on the back for. Uh, how did you want to approach, it, Allison? Do you want to like I? My thought was that we might be um, wise to at least tap into Courtney's brain a little bit on general resources or books or anything like that or any advice anything like that and there's no pressure by the way i didn't expect you to come with a book list but if there's anything (laughs) anything courtney that you think like might be useful that you found that you found useful or further reading yeah and and we'll i should also mention that we will put um a link to all the stuff that you do in our show notes as well um in case anyone wants to chat with you further about anything cool thanks um okay that's a very hard question to answer because it's so specific right it's like yeah i'm it's sorry I, said, yeah, I really set you up for, set you up for something, yeah something i will say though just to touch on things like further resources and workbooks is that for people that maybe are skeptical of therapy or maybe have tried it and just don't find that they click with anybody or they're too busy or whatever, I would heavily encourage the use of workbooks. Um, You can just get them off Amazon, like they have most of them. Um, And really like most things you can kind of look through, see kind of what it's about. But I find for anxiety, depression, just general stress, um, even things like relationships and like attachment stuff, you can find like really quality workbooks on these things that you can kind of just go through yourself if you're feeling not in a place to talk to somebody. Hmm. So it's definitely something I would encourage people to do. Yeah. That's great. That's perfect. Yeah. That's uh, I could have shortened my question because your answer was concise. Um, and <laughs> my questions are not. Allison, did you want to talk a little bit about that? I don't know. It's something I'm still working on. So I, I've used some workbooks and found them helpful. So that was a good suggestion. Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's still something I'm working on learning how to 
help myself and help others. So it was great to hear from you. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's great. I mean, I used a workbook when I was in Istanbul and I was living there and I just didn't really know where to turn as far as like, where do you turn if you want to chat with somebody? This was during a pretty stressful time because um, I was playing with the idea of starting a new career path uh, while the city was in a pretty tumultuous place politically and there was terrorism and things going on. And, you know, it was a, a lockdown there at times for a different reason, you know, couldn't go out and things like that. But anyways, I I didn't really know where to turn. Um, and there's a different stigma there as well uh, in Istanbul. So I just kind of thought I'll just quietly, you know, download a few workbooks or whatever. I downloaded one book called Mind Over Mood that... Uh, yes, that's a good one. Yeah, it, it ended up being great for me in the sense that it, it wasn't even the... like. They gave they they had sections which gave like um, examples which actually now that I think about it were kind of common because it was like like uh, Ted is like Ted is ashamed of his anxiety like his wife comes to him and asks how he's doing because he doesn't seem quite right like and Ted overreacts like usual you know it's like this like really like kind of like <laughs> drawn out scenarios but all that aside like all of that um, text is actually used to really lead you towards these. Um, really helpful charts to fill out that help you break down your thought process. So I, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, Courtney, but as far as I understood, like it really aims to guide people without all the jargon towards the, like towards CBT, um, like cognitive behavioral therapy and like help them break down their thoughts. So that's what I at least took from it was like, it, it gave me just more tools to examine my thoughts and challenge whether they were sufficiently like real, you know, like was I catastrophizing how far down the rabbit hole I got? Like I found that book in particular, mind over mood to be helpful with um, just giving me the, at least the first check, you know, like it was a checkpoint to be like, Chris seems like you're getting pretty frustrated here. Is this uh, warranted, bud? You know, like, um, <laughs> so that was helpful. And then, of course, the you know the like that's the whole essence of the book, right? Mind over mood. Like, is your is your mood guiding the way, or is your mind? Um, mm -hmm. which is the whole other. Yeah, episode. and that's pretty much like yeah, you're pretty much bang on. That the point of really any workbook for like any issue that you're coming across. Uh, the point is kind of to give you basically the same tips or strategies that a therapist might give you, but just, you know, not really personalized, obviously, because it's for anybody, not just you, but it's definitely helpful for just kind of getting a hang of how your mind's working, getting the basics for how to kind of help yourself in the moment. Um, so some people, depending on how bad your anxiety or depression or whatever is, you may find that just going to a workbook with those concepts that a therapist would give you anyway is just kind of enough. Or you might find, oh, I'm stuck on like this and this. Maybe that's something I need to work with a therapist on. Um, but it's definitely a good for, especially for like kind of more day-to-day -day struggles. Uh, they're definitely, yeah, really good with just kind of helping you figure out what's going on in your brain. Yeah. And, and the, I will just say as well, for me, it was helpful because I had built up the idea of even going like exam, um, exploring getting help to be larger than life. And it was really helpful that I could just sort of download this book and quietly walk a little bit down that path and be like, okay, so this isn't terrifying. Like maybe 
maybe I just ought to like stop adding so much, like stigmatizing this so heavily um, because it's at the end of the day, it's just, you know, just thoughts on a page. Someone, someone's just trying to help me reconceptualize how I'm considering something. Um, and it mm -hmm. doesn't, and I, doesn't have to be sorry. terrifying. No, no, please go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say that it's, I especially like recommending them because a lot of people find therapy to not be very accessible, whether that's logistically or if it's just internally, like a lot of people kind of like you said, Allison, uh, it's kind of like you get turned off of it for different reasons, especially if you have a bad experience. So it's really good to know the alternatives, I guess, like ways that you can start to get help and help yourself without actually having to talk to a therapist, which can be pretty scary. Like, I don't even like being a therapy client and I do the job myself. So like, I get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's a it's a struggle. So yeah, so basically, for anybody listening, if yeah, therapy is a little bit of a, of a freaky concept, but you also kind of want some help on something, I'd encourage you to kind of look in that direction for sure. That's great advice. Um, shall we shift into the last section here, Allison, you think, where we yeah. can pat ourselves on our respective backs? Um, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I will first pat us on the back for getting Courtney on this episode um, because that was a really smart idea because I think you've brought a lot of great ideas here today, Courtney, and um, I will at the same time pat you on the back for making the time to come on with us. We really, really appreciate it. So before we get into the rest of the warm, cuddly fuzzies, I figure I'll just spread that all around and pat us on the back for moving forward with it and pat you on the back for coming on. So firstly, just a huge thank you to you for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks. Well, it was awesome. I really had a good time talking to you guys. So Wonderful, wonderful. Um, so now we will, uh, I think I've done everything. That's probably something I should have shaved, saved for the very end, but I'm just, I'm, my order today is just uh, <laughs> nice and bizarre. So um, I will backpedal kind of-ish and ask Allison, do you have something that you're patting yourself on the back for um, that you've done recently? Yeah, I'm patting myself on the back for getting on the plane despite my fears and visiting my friend in Germany. Um, tax meltdown notwithstanding, <laughs> I finally felt like myself for the first time in a really long time. I've felt happiness to the point where like my friend posted a photo of me and uh, my friend was like, Allison, you look so happy. I forgot you could even look like that. <laughs> like I forgot you could even look happy. Um, and it just kind of made me sort of step out of myself and realize like what a hard year I've had and everyone has had. And this was something that I needed to do for my own mental health and sanity because I have been very isolated this year being, you know, an expat with a very small circle of friends kind of stuck, you know, on the other side of the world from home while world burns both literally and figuratively as a Californian. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, it's been a fucking rough year, but I'm glad that I faced my fears and, um, you know, made all the preparations that I could to do something that I needed to do for my mental health safely without risking myself or others an undue amount. And I'm just feeling really good to be here. I'm happy that I'm here and like feeling really good connecting with my friend and like, you know, just. I don't know. I feel like I got a little bit of 2019 back just for a little bit. And that's been nice. So 
That's what I'm patting myself on the back for, for getting on that plane. And I actually did not have a panic attack on the plane. I was perfectly fine. Um, I thought I would bug out, but the only thing that was really difficult on the plane was I had like a, a KN95. It's like the Chinese version of the N95. And it was like strangling the shit out of my ears, which was pretty uncomfortable. So uh, maybe we'll go with just a regular old surgical mask on the way back because I think if you adjust a mask a jillion times like it probably is less effective than just wearing one that's actually comfortable in the first place so um probably yeah, yeah. probably yeah I, I mean think, I'm not a I scientist but... I'm not a scientist but I'm pretty sure that if I have to constantly take the loops off of my ears every like you know a couple of minutes while still trying to hold it to my face probably kind of breaks the supposed seal yeah so um but i had like i had my whole kit i had like face shield i had glasses on which i always wear anyway and i had two masks i was like bubble girl so i'm glad i got on the plane and just didn't give a fuck what people thought when i walked down that aisle looking like a space girl <laughs> the only way to do it yeah you uh allison sent me a great picture of like her get up before pre-plane and I looked like I was going into surgery. Yeah, you did look like I mean, performing it. Yes, I would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would probably be convinced to let you perform surgery on me with that get up. You look really convincing, <laughs> and uh, I think that's great though that you shared that. I mean, I I don't know whether we're getting too close or like I'm like too much of a sympathetic co-host here, but like I might have gotten a little emotional while you were talking about that. I'm happy for you. I think it's wonderful that you've like just being able to tap back into that wellspring for a second and I don't know, take a big, a big sip of, uh, of that water. You know, I think that's, that's a wonderful thing. So I am genuinely happy for you, Allison. And uh, I won't cry, not here, not now, but maybe I'll cry later in your honor. <laughs> I don't know. If that's, that's honestly such a weird thing to say. I won't cry later in your honor, but I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm happy myself. Good, good. And uh, Courtney, um, is there anything in the last kind of week or so that you're patting yourself on the back for? I mean, it should be mentioned as well that like you took a big leap in starting this new practice. So you should be really proud of that. I, I, I hope you're coming to terms with getting to being proud of that because that's a wonderful leap. And you, you really, I hope you found a moment to give yourself the credit that you deserve for taking a leap like that. But that, I'll start there. You don't have to pat yourself on the back for that, but you have to accept that pat, for the, pat on the back. Okay. I will accept it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. And actually that was what, okay. I was going to say two things and that was one of them. Uh, even though that's technically not this week, it was like, you know, a month and a half oh, ago, okay. but but that is something I have been working towards since I was pretty young. So that's definitely something I'm I'm trying to take time to pat myself on the back for. I'm trying to be cognizant of not just kind of flying through this time, but recognizing like, okay, I've done a lot of shit to get here. And yeah, kind of appreciating that, that kind of a goal for myself. And then the other thing was uh, I'm patting myself on the back for coming on this podcast because I haven't been on a podcast before. But as Chris knows, I'm a huge podcast fan. So it's kind of been on my bucket list to be on a podcast. And I'm glad that I could talk about my passion on the podcast. Uh, so thanks for having me on. Wonderful. Well, you were a natural. Like you really didn't make it seem like your first podcast. You seemed very confident and prepared. So kudos. Nice. <laughs> 
Yeah, I even threw some zingers at you, and you're like, well, that's a really tough question. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll yeah, kind I of like, answer it. I'm like, <laughs> no, you did a great that job. Is like, that, that's a, like a, almost like a debate strategy. Like, that's a good question. Like, let me pause while I get my answer. It's very <laughs> smart. I'm normally just like, my I go full California, and I'm like, um, well, like, there's like a like a like a thing like a like a this like a that yeah. or like a really long like uh <laughs> while yeah. you're thinking like I don't know all of which are so much fun to edit yeah oh I'm yeah sure. especially in my life <laughs> the big thing is that I I often I mean I it's clear that I'm a podcast fiend as well Courtney as you well know and I find that sometimes I listen to a podcast episode and I turn it off and I think. I'm not sure I learned a damn thing. Like, I'm pretty sure I just listened to people talking. So I will say, whatever you were doing with the pauses, I feel like I personally walked away with some great takeaways. We haven't mentioned workbooks or anything like that before on here. I, have, I don't mm-hmm. even think I've publicly mentioned that I played around with mind over mood or anything like that, although I might have. But anyways, all those there are good things. Um, I suppose this is where I self-indulgently ask myself what I'm patting myself on the back for. And I, despite the fact that both of you answered before me, I did not come up with an answer. So I'm going to really, in a meta way, continue to talk until I have one. And we're good. So uh, what I'm patting myself on the back for is that this coming weekend is my birthday. And I know that's not something you should pat yourself on the back for because it's just like a naturally time occurring thing. Um, But... I'm patting myself on the back for not putting too much pressure on the day. Uh, I really like celebrating my birthday, not because I'm celebrating me, but because I get to celebrate with others. It's been enormously hard to uh, think about the fact that a day where usually I get to go around hugging people and be a little bit more drunk than people are used to, but they have to (laughs) accept. Um, uh, I don't get to do that this year. But I also know that last year for my 30th birthday, Brie managed to trick me so intensely. Like I like pretended I was going to, she pretended I was going to a work party and I, you know, came there and, uh, and I, it was a, the best surprise birthday party of my life. The only surprise birthday party of my life, but it's not going to be topped. So we'll put best. And I realized I was surrounded by all these people that I really care about and love. So I just decided Brie and I are just going to um, safely go, like we're going to go away um, and play a little bit of golf, something you can do outdoors. And Brie doesn't love golf, but I do. And it's my birthday, so we're doing it. Um, but <laughs> all of that aside, like I'm focusing on the fact that I have a partner that I care about and we're going to celebrate on our own terms and nothing is what it's supposed to be this year. And so I'm patting myself on the back for, not uh, doing what I probably could have done or might have done in the past and, and just decide like mope about it, you know, and be like, Meh, like I didn't want to turn 31 this way. Well, like at the end of the day, what matters is that I have a whole bunch of people in my life that I care about and I'd like to think care about me too. So even though I can't be in a room with them, I still know that their care is there. So that's what I'm focusing on. And I'm patting myself on the back for reframing that enough that I can believe that myself. <laughs> That's actually really awesome. I like that. Happy birthday, Chris. Yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, I'm turning 31. 
Um, nice. Yeah, which is right before me. You'll test the water yes. before I join you in about a month and a half, and you can let me know if it sucks, and I can just cancel it. <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> I'm gonna say thirty for another year. Like 2020 was a write-off, you know. Yeah, really right. Like, I don't want to spend my like. I spent basically nine months out of my year 30, like in a room. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think uh, every single listener right now is nodding their head. So that's where yeah. we're at. Um, but uh, you know what? The other the other side of that is that this podcast probably doesn't exist if we weren't locked in those rooms for nine months. So True. here Very we are. Fair. We take the positives from the negative. Speaking of positives, this was a huge positive. This episode, really happy to release this uh, on our channels. Um, also, nobody will know that this came together really quickly and we all managed to to get on board here. It's also Tuesday and I'm going to go ahead and edit it and get it released for Thursday. So we are just insanely efficient and quick. So let's all pat ourselves on the back for that. And uh, yeah, and also- Efficient or procrastination? Um, the world will never know. Uh, well, That's a it's, good point. <laughs> it's my birthday week, so we're going with efficient, and okay, you win. That's the that's the end of that. Um, <laughs> as I said, I will put some of that info if people want to learn more about what you're up to and all about, Courtney, um, in our show notes if anyone wants to check it out. But again, from both of us, from the show, from the community, thanks so much for coming on and taking the time. Um, as Allison said, you really were a natural, so you ought to think about how you can do more of this. Just don't like compete with us and take us over completely. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Come up with like some reframe of I'm anxious about and just totally hijack the idea. (laughs) No, but yeah, I had a great time. So thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for, for joining us and for sharing all your wisdom and points of view. It was really great to have you on. To, especially because like just have the like the input of a professional because Chris and I are just you know we we just spitball and say whatever we feel but um it's nice to have someone who has a little bit of of training and knowing what uh anxiety is and how it can be it's just nice to have someone with a, a different perspective a different experience level with it and a different comfort level discussing it so it was very nice having you on yeah and uh, sorry, I, 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 this, that was probably a spot where Courtney could have said thanks, but I just totally interrupted. But I just wanted to, <laughs> I, I, but I did, I did want to add to that. Like I was also really relieved that uh, at no point during the discussion when Alice and I were talking about it, where you're like, "That's interesting," but you're totally full of shit. Like you were like, <laughs> you're like, you're like, yeah, that's yeah, good point. So it's nice to know we aren't uh, too far off base, and we're learning. We, you know, we fully admit that, but it's helpful to have people who are learned while we are learning. Um, yeah, and I guess as we look forward to your podcast. I'm anxious as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm also need anxious. to brainstorm that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which I know, I know, definitely isn't competing with us. Um, yeah, thanks, Courtney. Uh, we will look forward to seeing you around the group and the community. Thanks again, and uh, for everyone listening, Alice and I will be back. Uh, next week, same time, same place. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye, guys.